Welcome in to Monday Madness Sports Talk, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago sports and beyond, right here on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. of Monday Madness Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, here talking the latest in Chicago sports and beyond. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 203rd edition of MMST, all the way from Harper College Radio to Radio DePaul Sports. This is June 7th, 2021. Happy to have you with me here on this fine Monday we have talking some sports. Let's do it. So a pretty straightforward program today. Safe to say, you know what's coming ahead of you, so you better be excited. Because it's coming. The sports talk is here. On the 203rd episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk, glad to have you with me here on June 7th, 2021, the first ever edition on my birthday. So thank you to everyone who has wished me a happy birthday today. Feeling very blessed on a day like this, even just the more blessed being able to do a podcast. Unfortunately, last week, I decided to make a little bit of a skip, if you may say, just for the sanctity of Memorial Day and uh, for everyone who has served our country, thank you to all who step on the front lines and do what they do to protect uh, our great country that we live in. So uh, that being said, I shall serve you with some sports talk today, starting us off with some MLB baseball, talking the latest in Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, kind of the same outlook as what it was a couple weeks ago but the Cubs right now um they lost a good amount of games so far here on the road trip starting off in San Francisco following their three-game sweep over the San Diego Padres in which now tonight the Cubs will be facing San Diego again in a three-game set at Petco Park in San Diego so I want to see if the Cubs can get one out of three or two out of three games to clinch the season sweep over a very good San Diego Padres team. Uh, So I think that would be considered a win. Uh, So I'll talk about that. Talk about the Chicago White Sox recent successes and maybe some struggles. He's got Adam Engel back in the lineup. So great news for the White Sox making some developments there, especially in the outfield. So talk about that first. Secondly, going to get into some NBA playoff action. We saw last night, yesterday, game seven of the last of the last Series left in round one, Dallas and L.A. Clippers g- going at it. I don't, Luka Doncic can't do everything himself. And they lose to the Los Angeles Clippers in game seven. So now we are in round two of the NBA playoffs. Kind of discuss what my thoughts are so far, what my predictions are going to be. Kind of a nice brief basketball section talking the latest in NBA playoffs. Then, going to get into some NHL playoffs, kind of the same deal with the NBA, but the NHL playoffs are a little bit more 
further down the line. You know, we're almost to the Stanley Cup semifinals. So I got some things to say about each respective series in the NHL playoffs. So those are going to be two brief segments there. And then to finalize the show, I got some UFC to talk about. It's been skipping on UFC the past two weeks. We got UFC 263 this weekend. Adesanya and Marvin Vittori, the second fight. And, of course, we got the um, the Bantamweights. Or not the Bantamweights. Yeah, I think it's Bantamweights, Grant. The Flyweights? Yeah, Flyweights. What am I saying? Flyweights. Brandon Moreno and Devinson Figueredo. And then, of course, a, a, a scrap. And I mean a scrap between Nate Diaz and Leon Edwards. Great fight night we got up on Saturday night. I'll be making my DraftKings Sports Bets pick of the week. This, that, the last segment of today's show. So that is it. A very short but sweet sound episode here on June 7th, 2021. Here on the 203rd episode of Monday Mass Sports Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll be right back with some baseball. So let's get us started. This is Noah Festestein, host of Monday Madness Sports Talk, and I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in for this week's episode of MMST. I want to remind you, if you want merchandise, please email me at noah.festenstein at gmail.com. Let's get the madness started here on June 7th, 2021. Here on the 203rd episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk. This is Zara Larson. Ain't my fault. The R3 have a remix. So let's start us off with some baseball, shall we? Because the Chicago Cubs went on a hot streak while we were on break last week. So I feel a little bit like I'm missing out in a way, from last week's Miss Show, because that was, like, the peak of the Cubs' run. You know, like, even before that, you know, the Cubs went on a great run against Washington. They played very well against Pittsburgh, and then so on and so forth. A a three-game sweep over the San Diego Padres. They just won one out of four in San Francisco, which is a very hard ballpark to win in as the opposing team especially to a team that is unexpectedly hot this season in the San Francisco Giants so I'm not worried about the one out of four series for the Cubs in San Francisco that's something they can shake up hopefully in the next series against San Diego but I'm really hoping for at least two wins in San Diego just give us two wins I'll be happy with a three and seven home stretch against one of the best teams from the west you know it's just That's an ideal situation for the Cubs being right now. So I'm not concerned with this Cubs team. The one thing is I'm concerned is is there's one guy who's not supposed to be the power leader or the leader in any facet, but he is looking like it right now, and his name is Patrick Wisdom. Six home runs in the past, what, seven games? Two today, or yesterday for that matter. It was, he's been putting on a clinic. And for that to be the case for someone who is coming up uh, from the farm system and the Cubs are looking for those young guys to maybe step up because of all these free agents that are looming with this Cubs team with Chris Bryant, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, I feel like it's uh, inevitable that one of those guys I just named is going to get re-signed, but you need some assurance. And Patrick Wisdom is providing that insurance. And it's so great to see. You also got guys like Sandy Alcantara, 
Um, you know, just uh, who else? Who else? I mean, PJ Higgins just got recently his first hit, so that's a good start because you got Contreras as well. You know, looming in the free agent market, so it's just like this Cubs team needs to be prepared. And if that's the case, well, then this is the season to succeed in. And the Cubs are catching up. So that's the great thing about this Cubs team is they're hot. And they need to be in the MLB power rankings. Now, at the time that I'm recording right now, the MLB power rankings are not out. But by the time you are hearing my voice, the Cubs need to be in the top 10. They need to be up against... Up ahead against teams like the New York Yankees, for example. Look at the Yankees. They have a star-studded lineup with the most expensive salary in the entire league, and yet they can't even muster up enough wins to be in striking distance right now. It's kind of an embarrassing thing that's going on in New York, and yet they're still being put up ahead like teams like Chicago. The Cubs, for instance, like... That makes me mad. I looked at the power rankings last week when the Cubs were on their hot stretch, and when I saw the Yankees up against the Cubs, I was like, this is, something's wrong here. Like, you know, Yankees got swept by Detroit. They are nearly about to get swept, I think, swept by the Boston Red Sox. So it's just like, this, and they have like a nine strikeout per game rating, which is like one of the worst ratings, I think, in their franchise history. I don't know. If I'm going to get have a chance to bash in the Yankees, I will. I'm not a fan of the Yankees in any facet. Um, probably my least favorite baseball team. Uh, yikes to you Yankees fans. This is a Chicago-based show, so accept it. Accept my dislike of the Yankees. But uh, anyways... I expect the Cubs to be in the top 10, alongside the White Sox being in the top 5. The White Sox, all around, compared to the Cubs, are a better team. I've already established that. If you go back a few episodes, I established that at the beginning of the season in that the White Sox, I should say, have higher expectations this season than the North Siders. So, that being said, I am invested in... In both Chicago teams right now. I think every Chicago baseball fan needs to be excited for their respective teams for a different respective reasons. So here's what I'm saying. The White Sox is at their consistency. They haven't gone on a significant losing stretch this season. It really, they they haven't. I, what was the last time they went on a three-game losing streak? Which is the most pinnacle yet Achilles heels tear part of the season where you go on those three-game losing streaks, you win one, go on another losing streak, etc, 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 you're not going to become a winning ball club. This White Sox team knows how to consistently win rather than consistently lose. Whereas on the Cubs side, they, like, great example, this past weekend with the San Francisco Giants, one out of four, yes, they were hot up until then, but then, you know, they can't catch up to a team with to the statue of San Francisco and not be able to get at least two wins. Because I see San Francisco and Chicago as two of the same. They, you know, they're succeeding for their own reasons. I think the reasons with San Francisco is they're producing a lot of offense. And the Cubs produce a lot of very game-saving pitching performances. Like from the bullpen when they had 38 innings pitched with no earned runs allowed. This is the best bullpen in the league right now. And that nobody would have said that at the beginning of the season, or at least fathomed that to be said in week nine. That this Cubs bullpen could be the best bullpen in the entire league 
just based on their performance and the way that it's handled, which is very important. If you can't handle your bullpen, you can't win ballgames. Safe to say. So that's something very important to kind of recognize here. Um, I, with the Cubs, is kind of like wrapping up my thoughts on, on this team is we haven't really talked about David Ross managing as much as we talked about the Chicago White Sox and Tony La Russa managing. That people, people have more of a problem with Tony La Russa, even though he just surpassed um, into second place of all-time winning as coaches in MLB history. So congrats to Tony La Russa on that. But, you know, people like to bash on him rather than bash on David Ross because I don't, I don't know with David Ross. I mean, he's a great guy, great coach, great mentor, great role model for the sport. It's just... I, he's just, I don't feel like he's acclimated right now. It doesn't seem like he's caught up to what he needs to do as head coach, but he's still winning ballgames. He knows his players best. That's why he's in the position that he is right now. But what's going to happen next season when you have a whole overload of new types of players coming into the lineup? How will David Ross handle that? So I think this is the season. This is the pinnacle season for the Cubs right now. And then they're just going to become the Pittsburgh Pirates of the National League Central. So you don't want to see that. Not not in the slightest. So, um, yeah, it's a sticky situation with this Cubs team, which is why the trade deadline, once it's, you know, surpassed and beyond the All-Star game, I'll be doing my All-Star game voting very soon, probably in the next couple weeks, because they just opened up. I don't think... I'm going to be voting for any Cubs besides probably Javier Baez and Chris Bryant. Those are my two big choices for all-star candidates from this Cubs team. Um, But besides that, you got a lot of options from the White Sox. You know, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, et cetera, et cetera. Just even your main Mercedes, even that. Like, that's a major possibility. Um so I'm kind, of, I'm kind of glad I'm transparent, making both Chicago baseball teams kind of transparent here, just to show that they are successful teams. They are good teams. This is probably the best duo of Chicago baseball teams we've seen probably since 2008, around that time when both teams are doing really well. So this is, like, time to be a Chicago baseball fan on either side, obviously. But this White Sox team just seems too promising. And I think that's something to be proud about as a White Sox fan. Um, the fact that Adam Engel is back off the injured list, so that's great, even though Billy Hamilton just got activated on the IL. He's been playing hot, so that's a great sign. So just the the acquisitions from this White Sox team has really paid off this offseason alongside what happened last season and how they were able to pick up the players that they needed to to start winning. And this White Sox team is starting to win. So that is very encouraging. And... From a guy who doesn't pay attention as much to the White Sox as much as I do to the Cubs, um, it is safe to say that the success the, the success ratings, as you may say, for this White Sox team is more strong than it ever has been since they won the World Series in 2005 and then maybe when they were making the playoffs later in that decade. So... Every single White Sox fan has a reason to celebrate right now, and that is very good. So, um, you know, as I look at the NFL Central standings, Cleveland just got dominated yesterday 
by the Baltimore Orioles, 18-5. And the Minnesota Twins, out of all teams, are last place. They're 24-35. and 35. Kansas City's 29-28. and 28. So, just the White Sox being four games in front at this point, getting a win today, or yesterday, and hopefully today, um, you know, that that's... Well, actually, no, they don't have a game today. They have a game tomorrow against Toronto. So the White Sox have a day off today alongside um, a lot of other teams. I think there's only three MLB games going on tonight. So a good time to kind of recollect these MLB standings because um, uh, these are as of last night, Sunday. So keep in mind, um, this is uh, updated as of last night, June 6th. So Tampa Bay... Up in the AL East, 38 and 23. Boston, game and a half behind them, 35 and 23. Then you got Toronto, 30 and 27. The New York Yankees at 31 and 28, six games back for them. And Baltimore, they could count them up when they win by 13 runs against a potential suitor in the AL Central uh, at 21 and 38. Cleveland needs to re reevaluate themselves. White Sox, like I've mentioned, 36 and 23, 13 games above 500. They are in front of the Cleveland Indians by four games. And I think in the entire American League, that is the biggest margin between first and second. So the White Sox have the most amount of... I mean, they're a 6-10 winning percentage. So that's the second best in the league behind Tampa Bay in the American League per se. Uh, so let's look at the AL West while we're at it. The AL West, we got the Oakland Athletics at 35-26. and 26, One game in front of the Houston Astros, or otherwise known as the Houston Cheaters. 33 and 26 for them, one game back behind Oakland and behind Houston and Oakland is Seattle at 29 and 31. LA Angels 27 and 31 and the Texas Rangers at 23 and 38. So, that being said, you, you kind of think of the Athletics and the um Astros are in front um in that they're going to be the front runners in that division throughout the rest of the season unless Seattle can make a push or even LA anyone's going to make the push, I think it's going to be the Angels. So, uh, looking out there in the AL West. Let's go to the NL East. New York Mets up in front by three games. And they're surprising me the most, but um, hey, winners be winners. So, uh, Mets, 28-23. Three games in front of the 28-29 and 29 Atlanta Braves. Philadelphia at 28-30. and 30, Miami, 25-33. and 33, And the Washington Nationals at 24-32. and 32. Looking at the NL West, you got the San Francisco Giants at 37-22. and 22, The best record in the league for the San Francisco Giants. So they are up ahead. One and a half games against San Diego, who's 36-24. and 34-25 and 25 are the Los Angeles Dodgers. Three games behind the San Francisco Giants, Colorado Rockies are 24 and 36, 13 and a half games out, and the Arizona Diamondbacks 20 and 41. We don't have to worry about those bottom two teams because the top three are the best teams in the league, um, at least the teams to beat. And that's why I'm mentioning the Cubs as we go to the NL Central standings here. You know, the fact that the Cubs originally, before their series against San Francisco, they were like 9 and 0 against all those teams, um, the front runners in each division, the Mets. Padres and Dodgers at home. There's 9-0. So that is an important thing to recognize because the Cubs know how to win under pressure against good teams, even with their B, B players. Patrick Wisdom is a great example. So uh, that being said, the Cubs are tied with the Brewers at 33-26. and 26. 
Uh, the Cardinals are two and a half games back. They're on a losing stretch of five games. After coming back 7-0 and on, in yesterday's game against the Reds, they still lose. So a five-game losing streak for St. Louis. And uh, Cincinnati is coming back. They're 28-29 and with four games behind the Cubs and Milwaukee. Pittsburgh, you can forget about them. They're 23-35, and nine and a half games back. So those are the MLB standings as of yesterday, Sunday, June 6th. As today, uh, Monday, June 7th, not many games are going on. So that being said, good day to kind of recollect, take a deep breath, and say, hmm, what's going to happen here for the rest of the MLB season? We're just past the third uh, of the season. So we're kind of thinking to ourselves, hey, you know, what – what what are the, our main takeaways so far with the MLB? And, you know, my main takeaways as of right now are the underdog teams. You thought that the San Francisco Giants were going to make a, a, a splash this season. Literally and figuratively, San Francisco powering their way through a very tough NL West. So that's got to be very surprising. Um, nothing surprising out of the NL Central. I mean... It's going to be a close NL Central between the Cubs, Milwaukee, St. Louis, and then possibly even Cincinnati. So looking forward to that. NL East, like I mentioned, the New York Mets. I'm surprised by them. I don't know how they're doing this. But they are ahead of, I guess, Atlanta and Philadelphia, and that's a that's a close division. And all five teams in that division are within striking distance, at least um, under seven games back. You know, And then nothing really surprised me in the AL West. AL Central, the, my main takeaway from that is the White Sox obviously doing their thing. And to be honest with you, the way that the rest of the AL Central looks, it's the White Sox AL Central to lose. They 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 are going, they have put themselves in a position right now to embarrass themselves if they don't win this AL Central. Honestly. They got the team to do it. Everyone knows that. It's not a secret. So this White Sox team has to come up when it's big. And that's what they're going to have to do. Um, throughout a tougher schedule um, now coming up, um, especially once interleague uh, play starts, you're going to want to see the White Sox beat up against these good teams from the NL Central. They already played the Cardinals. and had um, They went, what, two for three against the Cardinals? So that's a good sign. Um, looking at the AL East, uh, I am very surprised by the Yankees, yet they are, they are still three games above 500. They're six games out behind Boston, Toronto, and Tampa Bay. And this Yankees team is just not performing up to standard. Something's got to happen, you know. This is why I always say this. You know, Tampa Bay, think about this. Tampa Bay is the lowest paid team, like the lowest salaried team and you look at the New York, the highest salary team in the entire league. I'm not talking about just the ALEs. I'm talking about the entire MLB. Tampa Bay is the lowest. And the Yankees are the highest. And between those two teams is six games of a difference. So I think the point of the matter is money cannot buy you happiness all the time. The little things in life, like the Chicago Cubs' Patrick Wisdom and your man Mercedes from the White Sox, the little things matter. Not power not stardom, not credibility, but timely hitting, timely pitching, and being able to do what you need to do as a team at the right time. And for the Yankees to be swept by their rivals, Boston, and behind Tampa Bay, a a team that pays like a tenth their salary than your team, Yankees, that's embarrassing. 
I'm sorry. I know that you have a great lineup, and it's a star 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 studded lineup, but the strikeout rating and everything that's gonna get to you. This is a New York Yankees hating segment right here. I'm not a fan of them, mainly because they pay so much money and put in so much effort in that. When money, honestly, shouldn't be the highlight of a sport. Yes, obviously it's a business. Money's involved, but at the end of the day, it's what you do on the field and how you can help your team win. And this team with the New York Yankees and the standard that they've been setting, they're not winning. At least enough. Obviously, like I said, they're 31-28, and 28, but they're not winning enough against an AL East opponent with the Tampa Bay Rays, Boston, um, not Bruins, Boston uh, Red Sox, and Toronto Blue Jays. Those are teams you need to beat. So I, I had the Yankees winning the AL East this season, and they're just, you know, that's just a takeaway. That Those are my takeaways for that. So I think the big picture is money cannot buy you everything. And when you think that you can buy something so great, it's not. It's like going to, it's like buying, um, I mean, I even said this about the Pujols signing for the LA Dodgers. It's like buying, um, basically discounted price. It's like dollar store food items. Just discount, you know, and then. You look at guys like Giancarlo Stan with his strikeout ratings, and even Luke Voigt, who's coming out off the IL. You know, you got you're paying all these guys, even Aaron Judge and DJ LeMahieu. You're paying all these guys big, big bucks. Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole got caught cheating, and I don't think he's been the same since he got caught. He's not been pitching well, so that says something. It means that this whole time Garrett Cole's been cheating. And so when we talk about cheating in baseball, I don't like it. It's it should never be a part of the sport. It doesn't belong in 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 the great sport of baseball, but it's there. And it it, it ain't no secret. It's going to be there for a while, and we can't see it cuz there's this black curtain of baseball and cheating and players in their respective lives that they can't accept their performance levels. Because they need to be paid the big bucks. But what's more worth it? Your sanctity as a player or your performance as a player? Would you want to be respected by society or do you want to be shunned by society? And yet, you know, this is a good would you rather question. Would you rather make millions of dollars and be cheating but never get caught or make just maybe a six-figure salary and be the best? I'd rather have a six-figure salary and be the best. Because I at least get name recognition. So, no, no, that's my take on cheating. Um, you know, I talk about Houston. That's a whole different discussion. But individual players cheating for their own sanctity doesn't always bode well. It doesn't. We history has taught us that. I might even do a whole mini mana segment on cheating, because that's just how illustrious that subject is, especially in baseball. So, that all being said, I'm not a big fan of big-time teams signing specific players at big-time contracts on a grand scale. Like, like five players that have, like, 25-plus million-dollar contracts, and yet they can't lead their team past the third spot in their own division— Come on. 
You're better than that. Money, and I think that proves money isn't what can get you wins. Can't. You got to put some effort in. You know, maybe it's kind of like going to a carnival game. And instead of buying $10 for the toy itself that you want to win, you spend $2 for the toy, but yet you earn it by popping balloons with darts. I'd rather earn something, you know, with the less of the cost. That's why the Tampa Bay Rays going to the World Series last year and doing what they did was so fascinating because they had the lowest payroll in all of baseball and they sent their team to the World Series in a very tough division in the AL East against, like I've mentioned, the highest payroll in the league in the New York Yankees. So that's all my I'm going to say about it in baseball, but um, great, great first nine weeks. Very excited to see how things develop with the Cubs, the White Sox, and next week I'll be kind of catching up on the standings and more kind of getting in depth with the individual player analysis and, of course, updated MLB power rankings that the Cubs are not in the top 10 power rankings this week. I am never going to talk about the power rankings until that happens because I think that's fluked. The Cubs can't be top 10 after what they've just done. I am not going to be happy. And I'm going to be literally bringing the mad from the madness in next week's episode. So watch out. You better hope that the Cubs are top 10. Or else I'm throwing a fit. Alright. Now, time for some playoff action. Coming up next here on the 203rd episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk is that of NBA playoffs. Talk about uh, first round action, highlights, now getting into the second round. Um, and make my predictions based on what's happening. Um, not the best basketball predictor or analysis person, but it's hard to not talk about it when it's one of the most popular things going on right now. So that being said, let's get to that here on the 203rd episode of Monday Matter Sports Talk here on June 7th, 2021. Be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. Welcome in to Monday Madness Sports Talk, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago sports and beyond, right here on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Here on June 7th, 2021, this is Matoma Slow featuring Noah Cyrus, the R3 Hab remix. Who else but R3 Hab with the remixes? Two already in this show. I always play them. I love them. Thank you so much to everyone so far today. Wishing me a happy birthday. That means so much to me. I love it. I'm getting so much love. And now I'm going to return the favor by showing you my love of sports and sharing the sports contents that you so desire. And I think the most desirable sport at the moment is that of basketball. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. 
as it already has really technically been the past couple weeks. But some notable takeaways through the first round as now the second round is officially underway as last night or yesterday per se, uh, we saw the first game of the round two action. Let's get into it, shall we here? It was that of the Atlanta Hawks and the Philadelphia 76ers. And then we also saw the uh, Miami, not the Miami, what am I saying? The Milwaukee Bucks against the uh, Brooklyn Nets. And I think that's going to be the best series of round two. And I got a hot take for that one. So I'll be giving to you my hot take of the Miami. Why am I saying Miami? Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. I got myself a hot take here. I'll share it to you in a couple seconds. We also got the, like I just mentioned, Atlanta Hawks and Philadelphia 76ers. Got tonight starting the uh, Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns. And then um, we got tomorrow the Los Angeles Clippers and Utah Jazz. I think that's going to be a really good series right there. Um, And, yeah, those are the four series currently going on in the top eight teams left here in the NBA playoffs. So let's make predictions here. Um, Because I want to see Atlanta and and Philadelphia I want that to be a brawl. I'm thinking that two of these four series are going to go to a Game 7. And if anyone's going to go to a Game 7, it's the Jazz Clippers series and the Milwaukee Bucks Brooklyn Nets series. Even though, here's my hot take for that series. I think the Milwaukee Bucks will pull this series off. Even though they're already losing in the series 1-0, you saw a very close game in Brooklyn. 115-107, and you also saw James Harden leave in that game early, yet the Nets still being able to pull off uh, a very big win there. My hot take is, and I've said this already, and I think it's going to play into effect this playoff season, especially since the East is a very hard conference to win, at least has been in the past decade. Now I think the Western Conference is a little bit harder. But besides the point, I think the Brooklyn Nets... They, their chemistry doesn't seem like it's there yet. You know, your your big three right now with James Harden gone would simply be Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Blake Griffin. I mean, look at the depth chart of this team, though. The only significant guy other than James Harden and those other guys I just mentioned is Joe Harris and Mike James. That's it. Those were the three big hitters from the uh, game yesterday. Or two days ago in, in game one. So, I I like I like the Milwaukee lineup better. With Antetokounmpo up front, he will give you a, a, at least 30 points a game. P.J. Tucker as well. Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton. That's a balanced lineup. Right there. Jeff Teague as well. I don't know how there's another Tanasis Antetokounmpo. There's another Antetokounmpo. I don't know where that came from. But, uh, you know, this is... I, I like this Milwaukee team better. Just for the fact that I just feel like they're more balanced. I just don't like... I, I mean, I'm more of a fan of a dynamic duo than a dynamic trio. Because with a dynamic trio comes more, I, I would say, discombobulation. Because those are, you know, you got a dynamic duo. Those are the two guys you could rely on. But it's hard to rely on three guys. It just doesn't seem right to me. And it feels like it's a cause 
for some discourse, or at least some confusion on the court of who should I get this ball to in this specific circumstance. And I think that might lead to some failure. I do believe that. I think people are overhyping the fact that there's so many great players on the Nets. Blake Griffin, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and company. Like, that's a great team. Yes, on paper, that's amazing. But it's about coaching them, about getting them in the right spots. Because I just think it's healthy when you have a team that has a more balanced lineup rather than a star-studded lineup. That's why I don't like comparing, whether you know, putting mega teams together. The only perfect... Example of a mega team is the uh, Dream Team from in the 80s for the Olympics with Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, uh, and everybody else. You know, it's just like that's what we're talking about a mega team. But when we're talking about a mega team today, you're talking about guys who are cocky, who like to put up points themselves. This Brooklyn Nets team doesn't seem like a team that's well-rounded. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like this Nets team. I... It's, a, it's, it's an unpopular opinion that I hope can get across to a couple people and saying that if the Bucks can win this series, it will prove a point. It will prove a point that having a big three isn't what you need to do. And from last segment, I think the, I, I think the theme of today's show is that money can't buy you everything. I said this about the Yankees. I'm also going to eventually say this in some time about the Patriots and other teams in professional sports is that money isn't what will get you wins. Chemistry and health will get you wins. Blake Griffin isn't a consistently healthy guy. James Harden just went down. Kevin Durant will go down any minute if you ask him to. You know? The only significant player I think on this Nets team is Kyrie Irving. I think he's the guy. Um, But that being said... Let's move on to another game. Denver Nuggets and Phoenix Suns. I got the Suns winning that series. Uh, they were just playing too hot against the LA Lakers. I'm not surprised that they beat the Lakers in six. Um, you know, this Lakers that Lakers team wasn't fit to make it to the finals or any anywhere really far this season. It's just LeBron James can't put everyone on his back at once. And I think people are getting on LeBron's case because of that too much. Leave the guy alone. This guy is a Hall of Famer already. LeBron can't do everything perfect. Okay? I, I I think that one of my biggest pet peeves of sports fans is they expect their superstars to be perfect in a way. Like like they like if that they can't be perfect, then they can't be fans of them. I think that's rude. I think it's disrespectful for the player. LeBron like people are like overshadowing LeBron's greatness. Like because he lost in the first round for the first time in his career out of 15 first round appearances, 14 and 1 now. Like, people just need to stop being, you know, part of my language. They gotta stop being asses, okay? Like, people gotta have, have some respect for professional athletes and what they have to go through to succeed for them. And yes, they're making millions of dollars. That's great. But stop getting on their case for losing a series when they weren't really technically supposed to, to win. The Lakers were plagued with injuries down the stretch of the regular season, hence why they were in the play-in tournament. Then they were expected to win against a really consistent team in the Phoenix Suns? Nuh-uh. Not against Chris Paul. Nuh-uh. So, that's my opinion. So, people, stop being spoiled brats 
and accept, especially in LA. I'm not calling you spoiled brats. I'm just saying I've, I'm seeing some fans out there that are really getting on my nerves that are saying, oh, wow, this team with LeBron, oh, God, they got to win. Like, stop it. Stop placing these high expectations on players when they don't deserve it. Well, they, they deserve high expectations because they play well, but they shouldn't deserve that because when people place their expectations so high, they start blaming people. Well, you should blame yourself for expecting things too high. That's what, that's why when you're when you're rooting for a team that's good in any sport and that you see them lose unexpectedly, that gets on your case, right? But the reason behind that is is because your default setting and your expectations are so high that you're like, oh, wow. I can't believe my team lost. I'm going to go cry in the corner, you know? That's just not, I just don't think that's a healthy way to be a sports fan. The healthiest way to be a sports fan is to, you know, when your team is good, expect them to play in good games. Expect them to be in close games against other great teams. That's how sports are so fun to watch. Yes. Sports betting is definitely involved with that because you're putting money on the line. So maybe it is definitely applicable to be mad of a team that you lose money to but that's your decision you're putting money on a team be mad at yourself not the team who lost right i'm always mad at myself when i make a, a poor decision especially when i do uh ufc picks which i'll be making later on this show so um that's my point on that i got suns and six against the nuggets Excuse me with that little hiccup right there. Uh, the third series I'll talk about is the Atlanta Hawks and 76ers. Hawks with a fast start against the 76ers, winning 128 to 124 on the road. I got the 76ers in seven in that game. Um, so that'll be my second series going to seven games. The Clippers and Jazz, I got them winning. I got the Jazz winning in six in that series. And if not seven, that would be my other seventh game series with that one so let's just see how it goes stalls all continues tonight so keeping up with the basketball world and uh yeah that's it that's really it for the basketball side of things um but i think the main takeaway is you know fans of certain teams you know you're not seeing steph curry in there anymore or lebron james so enjoy the new culture the new teams the new successors here in this the decade of the 20s the 2020s so enjoy it you know enjoy the new talent that we see Devin Booker is a great example what he did in the Suns and his performance levels and it's incredible to watch so enjoy it embrace it have fun watching basketball this this playoffs I'm having fun so far we got we got some new blood and that's what I'm really excited about That being said, that is basketball here this week of the 203rd episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk. So, that being said, we are going up next with some NHL hockey, kind of the same deal here, uh, talking NHL playoffs, my predictions for the rest of the playoffs, and more here on the 203rd episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk here on June the 7th, 2021. Be back in just a bit. Stay tuned. This is Noah Festestein, host of Monday Madness Sports Talk, and I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in for this week's episode of MMST. I want to remind you, if you want merchandise, please email me at noah.festenstein at gmail.com. I want to take you all away.
Let's get back to the madness here on June 7th, 2021. Bring him in to this next segment is Time Flies All the Way. So let's do it. Getting into some NHL playoff hockey. As last night, we saw a, I would say, a good blowout win by my foreseeable Stanley Cup champion, Golden Knights. The Las Vegas Golden Knights, that is. My favorite hockey team besides the Blackhawks. We can just push aside Blackhawks discussion for another day. Because we're in the heat of the playoffs in the NHL. And if there's one thing that this playoff season for hockey has taught us, it is that NHL playoffs is unlike any other sports playoffs around the world. And I'm talking to you, NBA, because... I know the ratings for the NBA playoffs are down, and the Stanley Cup playoff ratings are higher. So, something's telling me that people are getting really getting into hockey, and I don't blame them, because the the series we're currently watching right now is something to kind of awe and be thankful for. So, let's make a rundown of the current series going on as we're in the Stanley Cup quarterfinal phase. So... Hurricanes and Lightning. Tampa Bay leads that one 3-1 to one after the Lightning uh, and Hurricanes had a great game in Tampa Bay. An eight-goal second period in that one in game uh, four it was. And Hurricanes just could not catch up. And a, a very explosive Lightning team that is known for offense and their, their, their transition play from defense to their uh, offensive end of the ice. So the Lightning is just too fast. That's why they call them the Lightning. They're just too fast. Let's go to the Bruins and Islanders. Islanders tying the series up at two. It is a back and forth series for that one. I am rooting for the Islanders in that because, you know, I want to see a different team in the Stanley Cup semifinal. Um, The other Canadian team, the Canadian side of the bracket, the Montreal Canadiens winning against the Winnipeg Jets as a final from yesterday. Uh, it's five to one in favor of the Can- Canadians, and Montreal leads that one three nothing. So I'm going to predict that Montreal will be in the Stanley Cup semifinals. Then the last one, my favorite series so far, is the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. Going into the series, Avalanche take a two nothing lead, and then immediately the Golden Knights bounce back in Las Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. So great job by the Golden Knights to kind of catch this series back up. Because if they would have lost any of those two games at home. This series could have been very well over, but now it's a new series. So this is something to really look after is Golden Knights and Avalanche. I think that's going to be a fantastic series. I'm predicting seven games for that and even possibly the Bruins and Islanders series. I want to know what your, your your thoughts are on that because, like, what series is most likely going to hit seven? The Hurricanes and Lightning series. Even that has a, a slight possibility of going seven. So we'll have to see. But so far, this Stanley Cup playoffs has been immaculate. I've had so much fun watching it, and like I just said, it has proven to be a very hot, contested, and very, very loud NHL playoffs this season. So um, my predictions for the rest, I got the Tampa Bay Lightning beating the Hurricanes, Islanders beating the Bruins, Canadians beating the Jets, and the Knights beating the Avalanche. But uh, if that's the case... 
I think the Knights would be facing the Islanders in the Stanley Cup semifinals. And for the first time in all respective team season, it will be the first time facing each respective team in the Stanley Cup semifinals. So the game kind of changes a little bit, which makes it just the more interesting for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Because you're going to see teams in the Stanley Cup semifinals, all teams that have not seen each other throughout this entire season, which will be very interesting, especially for the Canadians or Jets if they come back. They, they they haven't played in the United States all season. You know, this is the first time leaving the country for those players. But now since COVID has kind of slowed down, I think they're going to be more comfortable to move internationally, um, which is good news, very good news. So to, tonight we got a game between the Bruins and Islanders, Game 5, as well as the Canadians and Jets, Game, um, game 4. And then tomorrow we're going to be catching back up with the Vegas Golden Knights game and the Avalanche at 8, and then the Lightning and Hurricanes as well at 5.30. So that's what's coming up. So by next Monday, we will have a for sure answer as to who is going to be in the Stanley Cup semifinals because um, all potential Game 7s are at max Sunday. If the Canadians and Jets series goes to 7, it will end on Sunday. So by next Monday, we will know who is in the Stanley Cup semifinals and we will have maybe even part of those series being played out already. So looking forward to a great rest of the series. I hope to be at least three out of four in my next my, my picks that I just made, but um, looking forward to a great end to this series. For all series, for that matter, it's very hard fought. Stanley Cup is the hardest trophy to win in all of sports, hands down. Um, you know, it's team effort, a lot of uh, courage, a lot of hard work, um, it's just something that you dream of is hoisting the Stanley Cup at the end, and that's the motivation. But yeah, it's a, like I said, a brief hockey segment, brief basketball segment. So we're going to end the show on the right note, talking combat sports, most notably UFC 263 with Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori. Um, but I also forgot to mention in my intro today that I also want to talk about the Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight because that was... Eventful, but not eventful at the same time. And I'll get into what I mean coming up next here on the 203rd episode of Monday Madness Sports Talk. Be back in just a second. Stay tuned. Welcome in to Monday Madness Sports Talk. Your one-stop shop for all things Chicago sports and beyond. Right here on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Let's do it. I'm going to start with, speaking of wasted, just wasted time. 
with the Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight. Now, now, it happened last night, so I get to have a nice, fresh, like, you know how, like, fight nights are on Saturday nights, so I have to wait till Monday to talk about it? Well, now, it's just one night. I have to wait so I can kind of gather my thoughts after watching what I think was the stunt show of the year in that of Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. Now, I can understand why Floyd Mayweather would take this fight, because you're being paid 50 plus million dollars just for a stunt show in which honestly you're not even put much pressure under much pressure to lose or win you're 44 years old flame weather like you got nothing to prove you're 50 and 0 like what's there left for floyd mayweather so that's just where i question why are people taking this too seriously now i understand you know Logan Paul is a rising star in terms of boxing. He's been a star on YouTube. He's recognizable. He's bringing in people that don't know much about boxing with his YouTube content and are bringing them in as fans. And now fans, different fans, are now paying attention to the combat sports world, which I think is a good thing. Which is, I I think if we're taking the silver linings out of these kinds of events, if Logan Paul fights a different guy or Jake Paul fights, you know, of course, Tyrone Woodley coming up next. uh, Like, these are the types of fights that make you think, oh, wow, you know, all of their fans might be getting into boxing and combat sports and just the, the, the culture that surrounds it and the intensity of it. So I think that's a silver lining, is it's helping people get into the sport. It has helped me stay engaged in between professional fights you know the next big boxing match should be Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury for the heavyweight championship of the world that's the third fight in their illustrious careers so though like you know these are good intermediate boxing events that you know what it keeps me engaged with boxing so you know what I'm taking the silver linings out of this but here's where kind of draws the line I don't believe that like like if you were to believe that if Floyd Mayweather was 38 years old fighting in his state fighting Manny Pacquiao. Do you think Logan Paul would have had his chance? Or you know, what, what What if the winner had incentives? You know, the winner gets 50 plus million dollars. But since there was no judges, there's no direct winner if there's a decision in which last night's fight went to a decision or didn't end up in a knockout. So it was a draw, basically. But if you look at the stats of the fight and everything of that nature... Um, you could see, you could kind of tell that Floyd Mayweather, even though he was a bit more um, reserved in this fight, he didn't throw as much. He still threw more than Logan Paul because Floyd Mayweather was choosing his shots. So, yeah, this is what Logan Paul had to say after his fight about where where he's going next. Fight Floyd Mayweather, Logan Paul too. So that was uh, Logan Paul right after the fight um, (laughs) requesting a second fight, which makes sense. I mean, that's, I guess, his idea. Um, But here are the stats. You know, Mayweather threw a total of 43 punches, and he landed 40% of it where he's... Paul threw 217 punches, but only landed 13%. So it's Mayweather 43 to Paul 28 with the strike count. So if you think about it, who's controlling the fight? Who's, like, initiating more damage? That's where you kind of, like, think about who's winning. Mayweather kind of won the fight. But the reason why there was no judges is because you don't want to make this about who wins or who loses, right? 
You want to make this about the money. These two are fighting. Logan Paul, YouTube star. Floyd Mayweather, the best boxer in this era. Or at least in the past two decades. So, all that being kind of laid out on the table. Saw what we saw last night. It was not worth a $50 pay-per-view. Not like I paid for it. But still. I still want my money back, even though I didn't pay for it. That's how bad it was, for me at least. Like It just felt like a stunt show where I didn't want to give them my money. I didn't give in. They don't have my money, which I'm happy about. So, those are my takes from the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather match. It was alright. It was worth watching while I could. Just cringe, also, in a way, because of Jake Paul's reaction. Jake Paul thinks he won. I get it. I get the fact that Logan Paul went the distance with Floyd Mayweather, but was Mayweather even trying? Like, I don't know. Anyways, let's go to and from boxing to UFC, the world of Dana White, as UFC 263 is on Saturday night. But before I get there, we did have an event this past weekend, and I made quick mention of it in uh, the show from two weeks ago. It was a fight night between Jarzina Rosenstrike and Augusto Sakai. And a knockout in the first round right before the bell at 4 minutes and 59 seconds. Jarzinho knocks him out. And um, the co-main event also featured a knockout in the first round from Marcin Tapura against Walt Harrison. I don't know how Walt Harris can make a comeback um, from his, what, three or four straight losses. So um, uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with Walt Harris after this. But those were the two main fights from that card. Let's check out what's coming up this weekend at... The Gila River Arena in Utah. Is it Utah? I think it's Utah. Where? Where? What? No, it's it's in Arizona. I'm stupid. It's the home of the Arizona Coyotes. I just, I don't know why I thought Utah, because I was like, Utah's not does not have two separate arenas, um, at least big arenas for USC events. So let's let's get the ball rolling. Talking it from the prelims. To the main card. Let's start off with the early prelims. Any notable fights here? Um, no. Chase Hooper is fighting uh, at featherweight against Steven Peterson. Chase Hooper is a very highly tuted Dana White contender ser- series product. So we'll see how he can do um, on a UFC 263 card here. Um, prelim card. We see three um, three good fights, I think, in this prelim card starting off with featherweight fight between Movsar Evlov and Hakim Dawadu so had Dawadu coming in against the undefeated Evloev um I think that's the name it's E-V-L-O-E-V so Evloev I like that name I like the sound of that Evloev Evloev say it like five times fast women's flyweight you got Lauren Murphy and Joanne Calderwood so, Juwan coming in 15-5-0, and I think this is a fight, the women's fight of the night, obviously, as these two are going to, I think, produce a good scrap, um, as the kids would call it. So, looking forward to that one, and then we move on to the light heavyweight bout um, between uh, Eric Anders and Darren Stewart, and then the lightweights 
pre featured prelim between Drew Dober and Brad Riddell. That's a nice fight right there. I think that's a potential for fight of the night candidate. Drew, Derber, Drew Dober and Brad Riddell. Time to go to the main card starting at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Get your bookies out for DraftKings Sportsbook app because it is time for my DraftKings Sportsbook app picks of the week. Starting us off with Paul Craig versus Jamahal Hill at light heavyweight. So, how is this gonna how is this gonna fare out in the odds category? So, um, it doesn't have the odds out for that fight yet. So, I'm only gonna have to talk about the odds for specific fights that is currently um there it is there they are paul craig's a plus 235 against jamahal hill i'd go with the minus 305 on jamahal hill maybe with a knockout um because jamahal hill eight and oh you never know where he's gonna go so uh leave it at that Bilal muhammad and damian maya this is gonna be a fun one i am excited for this one this is um Damian Myas, I think maybe one of those final straws. I don't know how far this guy can go in his career, but this is the one of the more highly touted welterweights veterans of the sport against a rising star in Bilal Muhammad. This is going to be fun. I got Bilal Muhammad at minus 265 and a Damian Maya at plus 200. If you go with Damian Maya at plus 200, I don't know what you're doing. I know that's a juicy under, you know, underdog score right there. But Bilal Muhammad, I'm going to say... Since it's very hard to knock Damian Maya out, I would bet that this fight will go to a decision in favor of Bilal Muhammad. So if you do want to have a profit on your call here for this individual fight, I would say Bilal Muhammad in decision. All right, well, so wait, this is where it gets juicy. Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz. Diaz coming back from his loss against Jorge Masvidal from a long time ago. Let's see, how, how long has he been out? of the sport that is my question last time he has fought was 2019 and that was on november 2nd for ufc 244 can't believe it's been that long but nate diaz is back against leon edwards who did have a fight back in 2019 as well he his last fight was um ufc on espn4 it was a san antonio event he fought rafael dos años so that was leon edwards last fight Actually, no, I stand uncorrected. Or, yeah, incorrect. It was uh, Leon Edwards and Bilal Muhammad, who um, it only lasted 18 seconds into round two um, because I think Leon Edwards got his eye poked or something like that. So not really a full-on fledged fight for Leon Edwards up until this point, and it is against Nate Diaz. So this is going to be a good fight. I've been looking forward to this uh, for a while because it was supposed to be on USC 262. But it got changed to UFC 263, which I think makes it makes this card a bit more complete, if you may say so. Patience is a virtue, as the kids would call it. Let's go to the flyweight co-main event. This is where it gets real juicy. Davidson Vergaredo and Brandon Moreno at flyweight for the championship, the rematch. I gotta go with Davidson Vergaredo on this, but if you really, really want to go for the underdog... I'd go with Brandon Moreno. There's something about Moreno in his first fight that I think he could come back in the second fight and really do damage. You never thought he was going to be in it in the first fight. You better believe that he's going to be even more in it in the second fight. So uh, where are the odds on this fight? Where are they? Um, Gosh. 
There it is. Davidson Figueredo's uh, favorite at minus 250. Brandon Moreno at a plus 195. I'd go with the plus 195 on Brandon Moreno. That's my underdog of the night on DraftKings Sportsbooks at pick of the week. Brandon Moreno, he's got my pick. I'm rooting for your guy. I don't like Davidson Figueredo as a champion. Honestly, he doesn't... as I have I heard anybody talk about Devinson Figueredo while he's been champion or at least glorified him, that's why like if Brandon Moreno wins, I feel like he'd be a better champion. So that's why I think this is a rematch, is because Brandon Moreno has been the only guy in the flyweight division that has ultimately challenged that top spot in a very fascinating and entertaining way, which is what we saw in the first fight. So I'm gonna go Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno will be the new flyweight champion come Saturday night. That's what I hope, but I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna make that for, for a certain pick because you know what? Anything can happen, especially in UFC. All right, moving on to the last fight of the evening. It is Israel Adesanya coming back from his loss against Jan Blakovich for that light heavyweight's title, but now moving back to his original uh, weight at middleweight, 185, against his old nemesis, the one guy who has come the closest at beating Israel Adesanya at middleweight is that of Marvin Vittori and some even speculate since it was a split decision in their first fight that Marvin Vittori won that fight and that was a while ago talk about 2018 on the Poirier versus Gaethje card I remember that card and if you think about it that was a free card and it was stacked Uh, I want to like put research on that Poirier Gaethje card because you saw also Alex Oliveira against Carlos Condit and then Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori um, and Michelle Waterson was on that card too what a stacked card that was Um, but that fight was a very good fight it was a fight where Israel Adesanya struck Marvin Vittori 67 times to the compared 60 of Marvin and then the significant strike count was in favor of Israel at 57 compared to the 46 from Vittori so some people say that round by round, Vittori won that fight. But, you know, look at the overall stats. That's usually where you kind of, like, draw the line. But um, looking forward to a, a great second fight. If it's, you know, one thing we learned from rematches, it's always usually closer in the rematch. And if it's going to be closer in the rematch than it was in the first fight, expect some fireworks in this next fight um, on Saturday night. This is This is a pay-per-view card worth buying. This is something that... I am really looking forward to that. I've been hoping that Marvin Vittori gets a chance against Israel Adesanya, especially in um, the the spotlight like this, where Vittori has earned it. He has fought his way back after that loss, and you know, beating people to the likings of Andrew Sanchez, Cesar Ferreira, Jack Hermanson, Carlo Ro- Carl Robinson, and then he just recently had a win against rising superstar Kevin Holland. So he has most certainly earns a rematch against Israel Adesanya. Looking forward to a very, very good fight with that. Um, So my money is going to be on Israel Adesanya. But if it goes to decision, I got, I don't know. Vittori, this guy is built to go five rounds. Vittori is a plus 200 compared to the minus 250 at Israel Adesanya. Now, these odds are close. They're close. They're so close in every single fight. There's no odds that go above negative uh, minus uh, 300. There's no odds that go up plus 250. So, if you're going to bet an underdog, my underdog for this card is Brandon Moreno. That is my guy. But 
I will say Marvin Vittori does make for a very interesting candidate in my eyes. I think that the total rounds would be an under three and a half if it does end up in a knockout because these two are very durable. It's hard to knock any of these guys out. Um, Jan Blakovic uh, came close, but Israel is a very good stand-up guy. He knows how to wrestle, grapple, jiu-jitsu, all that stuff. So watch out. Even Marvin Vittori is the best practitioner for those um, elements of, of the fight game. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, so those are my fight DraftKings UFC picks of the week. I am not sponsored by DraftKings, but that is the app of choice that I use for my sports betting needs. All right, so that is that for UFC combat sports and really that of the entire show. If we look forward to the next fight night, it is um, the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung versus Dan uh, Ige. And the co-main event on that one is Alexei Olenek at uh, heavyweight against Sergey Spivak. So um, looking forward to a fight night for that. And then, of course, the next pay-per-view card is the rematch, the third fight between Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. And also on that card, you're going to see Gilbert Burns fighting Steven Thompson and Ty Tuvasa and Greg Hardy. Also, a Nico Price fight between Mikhail Pereira Sean Brady and Kevin Lee, and the list goes on. We will talk about that when the time comes. But for now, this has been the 203rd episode of Monday Meta Sports Talk. Thank you for joining me in this week. Um, been a very, very fun time doing this on uh, my birthday. This is the first time I've done a show on my birthday, and that's a lot of fun. And I'd like to thank you for tuning in, spending your time with me on this very, um, I would say, blessed day (laughs) so thank you and thank you to all who has wished me a happy birthday that means a lot um and i hope to see you on the other side next week for episode 204 have a great show planned as always but for now here on june 7th 2021 we will see you next week for episode 204 of monday matter sports talk see you then